You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. If you'll notice, one word in Isaiah 12 and 2 is afraid. Afraid. And when we think about afraid, we know that it's synonymous with fear. But I want to give you a couple of more definitions of, of afraid, of fear, that you may be familiar with or you may not. Number one is, is when you are filled with regret or concern. You have ran into a situation or a situation has occurred that you regret but you have allowed that regret to get in your being. It has filled you. You regretted the report that the doctor gave you. But then that regret has become a part of your, your makeup, your mindset. And so it, it is causing you to be afraid. You regret the report, and it's causing you to have more concern about it than you need to as a child of God. See, see, we are never to allow anything to cause us to be overly concerned. The Bible says when it comes to care or concern that tries to overwhelm us, that we are to cast that care upon God. See, certain things the Lord just don't want us to to bear. You, you take Jesus bore things on the cross that some folks still bear because they won't let him have it. It talks about how he bore our griefs, our sorrows, and so forth. But you still have folks that won't leave it with Jesus. You, you probably have somebody beside you that just like to carry around regret. And you can tell them that they have been filled with regret or something that, that has overly concerned them because that's all they talk about it. They'll tell you about it. And then after they drop that bomb on you, they'll go to somebody else's house and drop the same bomb. And then they'll drop that bomb throughout the week. You know why? That's what they feel with. 
And whatever has, has gotten in you, it's going to come out. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It speaks. Now, to be afraid is also to not be courageous. Is to not be courageous. When you have courage, you deal with the fear, pain, or whatever it is that's attacking you or whatever situation you, you find yourself in. You, you, your courage is that which deals with whatever issue you're battling. See, Dave, well, God knew that Joshua was going to be battling a whole lot of stuff. And so, after the death of Moses, God had to tell Joshua, who was a soldier, who knew about fighting. Now, this is what he told this soldier. He said, look, I need you to be of good courage. And Joshua could have said to God, God, you know, I'm the... I'm a soldier. I'm in command of all of these folks. I'm the one that's been leading these folks how to fight. But see, God knew it, that he was stepping into a different level. He was stepping in the shoes that he had never been in. And it was going to take a different mindset. He was going to have to be brave in a way that he had never Ben. And, so he, and so he told him, I need you to be of good courage. And see, some of us are dealing with things we ain't never dealt with before. You can't deal with it in an immature way. You can't deal with it like you, like you dealt with it the last time. It's time for you to up your game and deal with this in a more excellent way you gotta have courage because if you don't have courage that there are certain things that will turn you every which way but loose you gotta deal with fear you gotta deal with pain you gotta deal with certain reports with courage it is what it is now deal with it according to the written and reveal will of God. Because fear is something that when it comes at you, it can cause you, if you're not in the place that you need to be in, to trust Things are people you should. I'm going to say something. It, it, it's sad, but but it but it's true. That there are certain things that a professional will 
will tell you that, and the professional knows that it's going to put fear in you. And then that same professional will take advantage of you. Because he or she knows that you're fearful based upon what has been said. If you don't do such as this right here is going to happen. Fear. And so now you're in a dilemma. Do you do what the person is telling you to do? Or do you wait and get guidance from God? If fear has overwhelmed you, you're going to do what the person has told you to do. You're going to be immature. You're going to take the person at his or her word, even though Proverbs 3 tells you to acknowledge God in all your ways and let him direct your, your path. See, you, you, can't, you can't trust everything and everybody just because something has you afraid. There are a lot of folk in here, or a number of people in here, that, that fear move you to do something. <laughs> and after the fact, in hindsight, you regret that you made that particular decision. That's the reason it is better to trust God than to trust anybody. I said it's better to trust God. Than to trust anybody. Don't make one step. Unless God is telling you to make that step. Why? One step can change you for the better. Or it can mess up your life. One step. And fear will try to push you. To make that step. One thing that Satan and demons are known for is trying to put fear in folk. Peter, Peter recognized it and said to the churches of Asia Minor in 1 Peter 5 and 8, Beware of your adversary who? The devil. What is he doing? He's going to and fro. He's looking for somebody. That he can devour. Looking for somebody he can put fear in. In them. Or in their heart. And then just consume. The person. How many have ever been moved by fear? And it messed you up. And see, when, when you are moved by fear and it causes you to make decisions without consulting God, you're point blank immature. I don't care if you've been in church 20 years. You're still a baby. You're a 20-year-old baby. And you know, that is not a good thing to be in church 20 years and, and still doing baby stuff like that. I probably had a told him. Probably did hear the toe because it, it's some of us 
that have been in church a long time, but, but still allow fear to move us in ways that we, we shouldn't. The psalmist knew the significance of trust. And, and the psalmist was singular when, when it came to trust. And, and I love what he says here in, in Isaiah 12 and 2 of what he, of what he reveals to us. Because remember that it's prophetic. So the text is actually bigger than him. He spoke it, but because it's prophetic, it's for all of us. Because God reveals things through his prophets. Psalms say, I'm going to trust the God. Of my salvation. I'm going to trust the God. That saved me. That's who I'm going to trust. When, when, when I. Couldn't let. The dope go. Tried to help myself. Tried to get somebody to help me. None of that worked. But then when I called on the name. Of Jesus. He saved me. That's who I'm going to trust. Now, some of you women, you have a different testimony. When, when I couldn't stop going from man to man. Woo, I just, I, he had curly hair, I liked him. He had a bald head, I liked him. He had a cold wet, I liked him too. Oh, he had on purple shoes and, and, and a yellow pamper, I liked him too. I, man to man but when I knew I didn't need to go from man to man talking about your sister I call on the Lord and he saved me he saved me and now I don't go from man It may not be every social testimony, but that might be some. I don't know. Everybody in here has a testimony, if you're saved, of how God saved you. Some of you brothers, your testimony is that you used to like men. You like tall men, short men, rugged men. Men that dug ditches, men that worked in the office. You just like men. But then you say, I need to be delivered from this. And God save you. Now you like women. That's good. Understand this. You the pastor up there going to the extreme. Yeah, because some of us have some extreme testimonies 
when it comes to our salvation. But the bottom line, whatever we were wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in, God saved us. He delivered us from it. He did what we couldn't do for ourselves. If I'm telling the truth, just tell somebody, God saved me from some stuff. And don't you pull out your list. It ain't time to go through that long list that you got. And see, understand this. Some of us were addicted to stuff. Yeah, we was. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't no little thing for God to come in and, and save us because we had been addicted to something for years. We knew it was going to take some power to get us out of what we were wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in. I, I got to be nosy. Just, 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 I got to be nosy for a minute. And I want y'all to be nosy with me. How many of you, you know it took some power to deliver you out of what you were wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in? Just put your hand up for me. I want you to look around now. Because some of these folks, some, some of these women, they look just so sweet. But notice they said it took some power for them to come out of what they were wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in. And some of these brothers, they, they, they just look like they ain't never done nothing in their life. But look, they got their hand up right now. It took some power to save us. Some of us, we, we made resolutions not just on New Year, throughout the year. We said we weren't going to do it no more, but we went right back to doing it. And the only way we stopped doing it is when God stepped in, saved us, redeemed us. Look at you now. The only way somebody would know about you that you used to be a whore was for you to tell them. Ain't no way nobody would know you used to be a stripper sister. Unless you tell them. Ain't no way you would believe Deacon Oak used to be no tight what? Wouldn't give God no tithes? The way he take up tithes and offering now, and you think he wouldn't get... You can't just look at him or listen to him and think that. It's like, man, this man be giving his tithes and offers all his life. No, he ain't. And he didn't do it until God saved him. And it took some power to save him. I ain't smiling. It took some some power to save that brother. If you knew Bray before salvation, you would agree with me. It took some power to save Bray. And you wouldn't smile, period, because you'd be, it took some power to say, break. It's some of y'all, you know, I know you, your past. I know it took some power to save you, brother Randy. See how quiet he be coming around off like. <laughs> 
took some power to say. If it be true, tell somebody, salvation is powerful. I'll say it another way. Say, the salvation of God is powerful. God saved folk that folk thought were lost. Ain't no way that girl gonna quit doing what she do. Folk, folk thought you were a lost case. How many in here your own family thought you were a lost case? And, and some of them were amazed. They knew when God saved you, it wasn't nothing but a miracle. Some, some of them, some of them was like, man, now he saved, say, I'm going to give him like two months to really see if he saved. I'm, I got to see if this is real right here. Maybe it's, just, maybe it's just a fad or something. But when they saw that you had stopped cursing. You used to be the first one getting ready to go to the club or do drop in. And they saw you didn't want to go to the do drop in. They said, man, what happened to her? That's do drop in's best customer. What happened to her? She got saved. It took something to save us, didn't it? It took something. I ain't ashamed to tell for God. God had to step in. Couldn't nothing else save me but God. Couldn't nothing else save some of you but God. And based upon that, we, we can tell folk without question, salvation is real. It's not a plaything. Salvation is Real. We don't have to read the Bible for folks to, to tell folks salvation is real. Folk can look at us and know salvation is real. That's the reason the psalmist, when he talked about salvation, it was personal to him. I'm going to trust. God of my salvation. If he had power enough to keep me out the club. If he had power enough to stop me from shooting the dope. If he had power enough to stop me from liking everything with us. I know he can save me from this thing that's attacking my body. I know he can bring me out of the predicament I got myself in right now. If he could deliver me from the alcohol. I know this thing that's in my body has to go. But I got to trust the God of my salvation. See, whenever you go through something, it's good to look back and remember who brought you out.
when you were in the worst place in your life. Who brought you out of that? Wasn't the doctor? Wasn't the lawyer? Wasn't the preacher? Wasn't nobody but God that saved you. Out of what your family said, he going to die with that. But then God showed up and showed out. See, see, some folks lose their trust in the God of their salvation over the years. Because they don't often reflect on the power it took to bring them out of whatever they were in. But I want you to reflect just just for a few seconds what it took for God to bring you out. And some of you, you didn't take a drop of alcohol. You didn't drink not one drop, but you were still messed up. You, you could have been messed up. I'm better than her because I don't drink. See, yeah, you sure messed up. You don't even know that everybody born in the sin. You're going to die, go to hell, and they even taste it. No, luckily, go to hell for, for something. Don't even know what Hennessy tastes like and going to hell. You know you messed up. We're all born in the. Can I be honest with y'all? If I'm going to hell, I'm gonna live it up. I ain't going to hell talking about I got morals. No, if I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell. I ain't going to hell though. But anyway, just, just letting you know. Just letting you know. I ain't going to go to hell for playing no church. Or playing like I'm half right. But you have to reflect and remember what it took for God to bring you out. It took something. And and see that same power is available to help you in whatever you're dealing with right now. That same power. That power hadn't changed. The same power that pulled you out of your mess is the same power God used to deal with heart disease, cancer, sugar diabetes, and the rest of it. Same power. Malachi 3 said, God changes not. So you, be, you, so you need to reflect. Say, Man, that same power that, that changed me into a new, new creator, creation, is going to deal with this, what I'm going through in my body? Yes. But you have to trust that. Lord, if you save me, I know you can deal with what I'm going through in my mind, in my body, in my feet, in my knees. Just tell me what to do. Just give me direction. 
And so the psalmist was just like, I'm going to trust the God of my salvation. But then he goes on. And notice this. Go back, go back to Isaiah. I keep saying the psalmist, but I mean the prophet. Go back to Isaiah 12. And notice verse 2 again. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not what? What is that? A choice. You got to make the choice. He, he is the God of your salvation, but you still got to trust. Like you got to trust. But he goes further. He, said, he says again, I will trust and not be, help me. He, and then he gives the reason why. For Yah, the Lord, is, first thing he said, he's my, he my strength. He my strength. Remember this definition of strength. He is the one. That has the greatest influence on my thoughts, words, and deeds. He is the one that has the greatest or primary influence on my thoughts, words, Indeed. And don't ever think others don't have power to influence you. But you can never let anybody have the power that is rightfully God's. See, even when you come to me trying to influence me to do something, I'm going to go to God with it. And it doesn't matter who you are. Even outside these four walls, if, if a doctor comes and say, look, Mr. Walker, such and such, and he's trying to influence me to do this, that, or the other, hey, I'm going to go to God. Now, he's trying to influence me, but the one that has the primary power or the greatest power to move me is God. And that ain't going to change. Not saying what you do is not what you say to me to try to move me is not right. But when it comes to my life, God going to have the final say. Now the only, re- the only way you can be like that is if you're mature. That's not your testimony if you're not mature. Be- because if, if you're not mature, just at the lowest level, somebody can just, can just say something on TV and it'll move you. Then that's low. Somebody you don't even know can say something and it, and it move you. That means you're real immature. Then somebody who don't even like Christians can say something to you, child of God, and you'll be more moved by what that person says than your own brothers and sisters. Guess what? That says that you're low, low. Low, low, low. 
But then you have folks that, that you, you are not moved by people unless they have a degree. Unless they are a profession. But the sad thing about that is that they'll move you before God moves you. And some folks, you can tell that, that the person that has the primary say in their life is a doctor, lawyer, preacher, or such. And that should never be if you're mature. If you're mature, again, God should be the primary influence in your life. Well, not a damn but my primary influence. It's my boo. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say one thing about that, and then I'm going to let it go. Well, now I'm going to say a couple things about that. Then I'm going to let it go. Now, because I don't want you to get, I don't want you to look at your boo the wrong way. But I'm, I'm going to, I just need you to go Genesis. And read about the first boo and boo. Adam. And Eve. And you read that. That's going to let you know you don't put all your trust in boo. Because boo and boo got messed up. In Genesis 3. Yeah, you, the only one you put your primary trust in is God. That's the reason, again, Proverbs 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But when you trust, that's who needs to influence you more so than anybody. Because, see, whoever has the power to influence us, that, that's... The person that's going to cause us to choose this, that, and the other. But now when, when God has the primary influence in your life, you, you also have to understand God. Especially from Isaiah's standpoint. I'm not going to Isaiah 55, but read Isaiah 55. Because Isaiah says in Isaiah 55 that when it comes to God, his ways are not as the ways of man. Nor are his thoughts. And he even gave the distinction. He says, high as the heavens are from the earth, so are his thoughts and so are his way. That, that means God ain't going to be trying to direct you the way a person will. See, God going to make sure that, that he gives you word. Why is he going to make sure he gives me word? Because Jesus himself said in Matthew 4 and 4 to the devil, man shall not live by bread alone. But by what, Jesus? Every word of God. I mean, whatever God tell you is the basis is going to be the written and revealed will of God. That's going to be the basis. That's going to be the basis of what God tells you. And see, and see folks will get upset about that. They'll wonder, why in the world won't you just believe what I'm saying? Don't you know I'm a professional? Yeah, I know you're a professional, but, but God created you, me, and everybody else, so he know more than you. He don't need a book. He, he didn't have to go to school to learn it. You had to go to school to learn it. He, he didn't have to go to no school to learn it. He already omniscient, 
all-knowing. That's the reason when you, when you look up God, from a biblical standpoint, it, he, he is the self-existent one. He don't need nobody else. Where's his art? He's always been. He didn't have to be created like Buddha and the rest of them. He has always been and will always be. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He has always been. And he manifests himself through his salvation. Lord have mercy. How many understand? And so he he goes further to say that he is my strength and song. He is the one I worship. He is the one I praise. He is the one that keeps me focused, but he keeps me focused through praise, song, a worship. Worship, praise, and song are synonymous, especially from a biblical standpoint. Songs are, are, are meant to transform us when you understand scripture. That's the reason we, we got 150 that when you read a hundred, all those psalm in, in Psalm 150, every one of them talks about transformation. It talks about the doings of God. It talks about things we should magnify and adore God for. Why? Because God becomes our song. He becomes the reason we pray. That's the reason we tell folks what the highest praise is. Hallelujah. Which simply means praise the Lord. And Psalm 150 concludes by saying, let everything that hath breath, what? Praise the Lord. And when we send up praise, God releases to us what he has promised and what he has ordained for particular seasons. And that's the reason we keep a praise. I said that's the reason we keep a praise. That's the reason we keep a hallelujah. Because praise is so important to where where the disciples didn't understand it and folk were praising Jesus and the disciples tried to stop and say Jesus hey won't you do that because if they decided not to praise me the rocks would begin to cry out praise is significant James so understood the, the importance of having praise or, or joy when you're going through something. He told people that had, had been going through numerous trials and troubles. 
Count it. Oh, joy. You done fell into some stuff. You're going through some stuff. Count it all joy. But James wasn't the only one. Peter took it up in 1 Peter 4 and, and, and said, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Well, what we need to do, Peter, rejoice. Rejoice. Yeah, praise him. Praise has to be a part of what you do. Because get this, one antithesis of praise you're holding on is fear. It's fear. Even, even when Israel got ready to go into battle, you know the main thing they put in front of Israel going into battle? People that knew how to praise. The U.S. puts the infantry in front. But God said, look, we're going to put praisers in front. And the praise would be so powerful before Israel to where sometimes they wouldn't even have to lift a sword. That's the power of praise. And see, that's the reason Isaiah talks about God being his strength and his praise. The one that's going to give me joy. The one that's going to acknowledge my worship. The one that's going to keep me focused. And then finally, he says in the latter part of verse 2 in Isaiah 12, that God became his salvation. Letting us know that God not only saved them once, but he turned around and did it again. Woo, I wonder how many have a testimony. God saved me from my sin, but then he saved me from such and 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 such. Say to your neighbor, I don't even have enough fingers and toes to tell you how many times God done saved me. But, but notice what happened. He became his salvation. But he became his salvation when, when he made up in his mind he wasn't going to be afraid. He was going to trust. He was going to trust. He became his salvation. I, I got to take you to three passages about salvation. I'm going to be done. I think I, I think I done said enough for us to know point blank that God is the God of our salvation. No question about that. He's the one that saved us, right? But he still saves. And whatever you're going through right now, he's going to become your Salvation. Nobody say he has become my what? Salvation. This thing that's been bothering me, guess what? God done showed up. And what did he do? He showed up. He became my what? Say to your neighbor, you better get ready. I don't know what you're going through. But get ready for God to become your salvation.
Hold on. Who I'm talking to? I'm talking to folks that's trusting him. You're done with being fearful. You're done with being afraid. You're just going to trust the God of your what? And he's going to become your what? So let's work it for a minute. Three passages and I'm going to be done. All of them are in Psalm. I've been calling Isaiah the psalmist all day uh, throughout the message. But let's go to Psalm now. Psalm chapter 3. Lord of mercy. How many of this is helping you? All right. Psalm 3. You're right. I'm not omniscient. You're right. I don't know. And some of you, this is for you, isn't it? Yeah. This is a rhema. So you're in agreement with the prophetess. Psalm 3 and 8. Ready? Salvation. Belongs to the Lord. You can never let anybody think they they have the final say over your life. Salvation belongs to who? Just because they say nothing can be done. Does not mean you're not going to be saved. You got to believe what the psalmist is saying here. Salvation belongs to who? You're not going to get any better. You go it like that? You know, some folks have the audacity to tell you the conclusion of your life. This is what bothers me when you nodding your head accepting it. When you do so, you don't believe Psalm 3 and 8. Salvation belongs to who? I got, I got to go back. I got, got to go back for just a minute. I never get that, that uh, the banker. You know, he had on a little, little, little tag right there. Senior vice president. He was the senior vice president. There's no way you're going to be able to get along, uh, Mr. Walker. There's no way. you're go- Okay, so you're the senior vice president, but you're also omniscient. I'll never be able to get it. Well, seven days later, they all let change the senior didn't know the senior was not omniscient what happened that you end up end up getting it salvation belongs to who God God rescues he frees he causes us to prosper those are just a few definitions of salvation salvation belongs to who who has the final say Who has the final say? Look at this. Psalm 3 and 8. We're just dealing with the first clause right now. We're going to get the last one. But look at this. Salvation belongs to who? Get that in your being. Even when you get to talking crazy, call yourself a liar. And say salvation belongs to God. I can't. I don't know what. Call yourself a liar. 
and say salvation belongs to who? And notice the last part. He gets very specific. Very specific. Your blessing or God's blessing is upon who? Salvation is a blessing. Now God will save the sinner. But understand this, when, when it comes to salvation, salvation is a blessing for God's folk. Yeah. Here, here God know you struggling with your job and all, all this, that, and the other, but then he going to drop a blessing on you called better is here and better is coming. But Lord, this COVID and all this other, better is here and better is coming. Well, Lord, they saying we shouldn't be saying, it ain't for them, it's for my people. Look at this. Look at the text. Look at the text. Salvation belongs to who? Salvation belongs to who? And then it says your blessing is upon your people. Your people. I hear you still doing such and such. such. Yeah, yeah uh, you ain't afraid of what COVID going to do. I said, well, God in control of everything. Ain't you? you ain't never read Psalm 24 and 1. The earth is the and its fullness. Folk don't understand why you trust God no matter what. But when it comes to salvation, it belongs to him. And, and divine salvation is a blessing for God's people. Oh, he'll save a sinner. And it'll be a bless, blessing that the sinner got saved. But the blessing of salvation is always for his people. That's the reason we, we have a scripture that proves this right here. Psalm 34 and 19. Many of the afflictions of the but the Lord, what? He what? Delivers. What is deliver? Save. Salvation. Out of how many? All. But you got to trust him for that. Salvation is a blessing for who? God's people. Save the sinner, but we always got salvation on us. He always blessing his folk. And see, all church folk don't know this. I'm going to tell y'all something. When, when I came up in the church, most of the time folk would testify it will be about things that had happened years ago. But folks that really understand salvation have a testimony week in and week out of what God is doing. You don't have to reach back no 10 years to talk about what God done done for you. You can talk about what God did for you this Weak. Lord have mercy. I'm hurrying. Y'all, y'all stay with me. Lord have mercy. Y'all, y'all stay with me. Y'all feeling all right? I feel pretty good myself. Let's go to Psalm 37. Y'all just stay with me. I'm almost done. Thank you, sir. Psalm 37, 39. Ready? But the salvation of the? Oh, y'all ain't there yet. Don't y'all fake it on me now. I need you to see this. Psalm 37 and 39. Ready? But the salvation of the? Is from the Lord. He is 
their strength. In time, help me. Sometimes I just be waiting on him. I be going through it. I just say, thank you, Jesus. I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to show up, Lord. Lord, I ain't feeling that good. I, I, I know you're going to show up and make me feel better because better is here. I know you're going to do it, Lord. Y'all don't talk like that, do you? You reach for your Tyler now, your Benadryl or something else, don't you? I don't like the side effects of medicine. Sometimes I just, sometimes, well, most of the time, 30 years now, I just call on Jesus. Just trust him to do things for me. And notice, notice again, the verse. You ready? The salvation, but the salvation of the righteous is from who? How many in here are you righteous? Well, I ain't really perfect. Ain't nobody ask you if you're perfect. And you don't have to tell us that. We already know you ain't perfect. <laughs> now, I'm just saying you a little time. You're talking about you ain't perfect. I'm just saving you that time. We, you don't have to tell us that. But how many of you are righteous? You strive to live right. This is your verse then. But the salvation of the righteous is from who? That means folks depend on salvation from others. But when you're righteous, you expect God to do it. I don't have no problem with God using a lawyer or using you. You're like, if I need God to, to deliver me from a money trouble, from money trouble, I don't have no problem with him telling senior minister mothers to drop a hundred thousand on me. <laughs> I'm gonna tell her thank you, but I'm gonna show up, turn in victory, thanking the Lord because I know I done prayed to him and he used her. To fulfill it. You understand what I'm saying? I don't have no problem with him using the doctor. It, I, don't even, I don't even have to see this, that, any other about the doctor. Only thing that God that tell me, look, I want you to use doctor so-and-so. That's enough for me as long as I know it's God telling me to tell it. That it's okay to do it. I'm satisfied with it. He can use whoever. But. I know ultimately where salvation comes from. I have blessed folk, but the only reason I blessed them was because he told me to. Because I want them to understand, it's bigger than Walker. This is what God blessed me with to be a blessing to you. How I many understand that? Salvation belongs to who? And who does he give it to? The righteous. Lord have mercy. Boy, you got to be mature enough to receive this. Notice this. He is their strength. In what? He'll give you strength. That means he'll give you the ability to do what you can't do. Because of what you're going through. See, because I'm going to tell you something. There are certain things that will try to control you. And if you allow those things to control you, guess who owns you? That thing. 
It's one thing to have a headache, but then if you're going to let that headache control you, guess who owns you at that moment? That headache. It's one thing to be battling cancer, but if you allow that cancer to control you, One thing to have diabetes, but if you allow it to control you, you battle things, but, but you, you never allow things to control you. Why? Because that's in contrast to the scripture. A child of God is to be controlled or influenced or by God's word. Holy Spirit. Even when you're in bed, guess what? Holy Spirit should be in control. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He'll got you in how much truth? John what? 16 and 13. I don't understand how I can do that. If God said it, and you trust it, you'll be able. I said if God said it, you trust it, you'll be able. See, you got to understand something. When, when it comes to God, Jesus said this right here. With men, this is impossible. But not with God. What you mean, Jesus? With God. All. All? Yeah. All things are what? But see, in order to walk in something like that, to think something like that, to talk something like that, you have to be mature. Well, I don't accept that, Walker. I don't believe I can. Well, that's you. I'm just teaching what he told me to teach. I'm just teaching. But I know it worked. I know it worked. Lord have mercy. He is our strength in time of what? If you're going through something right now, God can give you the power to deal with it. He may not even take it away, but he'll give you the power to deal with it. I said he may not even take it away, but he'll give you the power to deal with it. He, 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 didn't, he didn't bring Daniel out of Babylon, but he gave him the power to deal with Babylon. He was a slave in Babylon, but, but had more than folk that were free. Why? God gave him the power to deal with Babylon. And he'll give you the power to deal with whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing. You just have to trust him to do it. I done got to the point to where, because see, if I, I do stuff, and I, and, and I do so much stuff to where it can be overwhelming. But I done got to the point to where I just get up and say, God, whatever you have for me to do this day, I just want you to, you to guide me. See, because I used to worry about what I couldn't do that day. See, that, that ain't, that's no longer a part of my history. That's no longer part of me. I just ask God to direct me and whatever he has, that's what I do. The rest, it can wait. You hear me? The rest, it can wait. 
Lord have mercy. That, that, didn't, that didn't help some. Everybody, that helped some, though. My last verse. Woo! Psalm 149. I wish I could get teaching like this done in about 35 minutes, but it just ain't, it ain't, it just ain't, it just ain't possible in these last days. <laughs> Psalm 149, verse 4. Lord have mercy. Ready? For the Lord takes pleasure in who? Do you know one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is try, trying to convince you that, that God don't care about you? That God don't want to heal you? God don't want to... The, the, enemy, the enemy would try to make you wonder if God won't want to do certain things for you. Makes you have the mindset, are you good enough for it to be done? And all that crazy stuff. What does this verse say again? Read it on one. One, read. Hold on right there. One more time, read it. Say that verse to somebody, just that first clause. He likes you. It pleases him to be a benefit to you. That's what that, that's what that means right there. It, when, when you go through something, it, it, it makes him happy to be able to help you. But see, he can't bless you if you're double-minded. James 1 tells us that if we're double-minded, we ain't going to receive nothing from God. See, you got to be in a certain state for God to do certain things. Don't ever think God don't fulfill his word. If you're in, you in the right state, according to the word, it's going to happen. Yes, it is. It's going to happen. I done seen it. Again, notice. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify or adorn. Notice who? The humble wealth salvation. And, and humble is synonymous with just are God's people. When you're humble, you're just. A just person is considered an humble person because a just person has submitted to the will of God. Romans 1 and 17 closes out by saying, the just shall live by faith. In order to live by faith, you have to be clothed in humility. Humility. And notice, he will beautify the humble of the just wealth salvation. That, that means God going to constantly give you salvation wherever you need it. He going to adorn you with it. He going to bless you with it. He gonna, uh, another word that I, that I he going to embellish you with salvation. He, he may start on your crown and just go all the way down. He, he may start at your house and then turn around and, and then he may beautify your finances. Just adorn you with money. So much money to well, well, I got everything I need and I got a lot of stuff I desire. Let me go ahead and be a blessing to somebody else. 
what's happening? He is adorning you with salvation. Because salvation in one sense connotes prosperity. Salvation is well-being. And, and on and on and on when you really understand it based upon the scripture. But God will beautify his people. The humble, the just, will salvation. And I'm going to start right there. God of mercy. Let's give our God a big, big hand of praise.